0: Who were the Nephites? And who were the Lamanites? The answer to this question might seem to be obvious, but the actual answer is far more complicated than you might at first think. This is Between the Lines of the Book of Mormon, and we're your hosts. I'm Jay Harris. And I'm Andrew Harris. And we're excited to welcome you for another podcast today. Growing up, I always thought that any person who was a Native American had to be a Lamanite, whether they were Navajos or Paiutes or Mayans or Incas or Aztecs. I assumed they were all descendants from Lehi's son, Laman. That made an assumption that when Lehi and his family trudged ashore after their long ocean
1: voyage, they found this land completely void of population. Yeah, and we don't know exactly where this is taking place either, so there's certain things that we just can kind of guess at, but we're not going to have all the answers. Modern
0: researchers tell us that in the year 600 B.C., when Lehi arrived in this land, that the land was already populated with a large population of different cultures. And although the Book of Mormon doesn't tell us about any of Lehi's or his family's encounters with the Native Americans, or their ongoing interaction with these people, we know that they were here. Yeah. One thing that we know for sure is that in 600 BC, there were millions and millions of Jaredites still living on this land. It would be years later that they would have their final battle, and so many die in that battle. So there were a lot of Native Americans already here when Lehi arrived. We wonder what the interaction with these Native people was. Did they get along? Did they fight with these people? Was there any jealousy involved? We just don't know. Yeah. The thing that we do know again is that Lehi's family couldn't get along with each other, let alone with the Native Americans. It wasn't long after Lehi's death that the brothers, who never did get along, finally split up into two separate groups. This is when we first discuss in the Book of Mormon the names Nephites and Lamanites. Who were the Nephites and who were the Lamanites? I think we can get a pretty good idea if we read in 2 Nephi chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. Again, this is after Lehi's death. Would you read that for us, Andrew? Sure.
1: And it came to pass that the Lord did warn me that I, Nephi, should depart from them and flee into the wilderness and all those who would go with me. Wherefore it came to pass that I, Nephi, did take my family, and also Zoram and his family, and Sam, mine elder brother, and his family, and Jacob and Joseph, my younger brethren, and also my sisters. This is the only time we get to hear about them. <laughs> and all those who would go with me. Uh, who was that? It could just be that that was the way of kind of summarizing everyone, all of them who would go with me. So from this we
0: understand that Nephi and his followers were afraid of the Lamanites, that the Lamanites would destroy them. And so Nephi took those who would follow him and they escaped from the land of first inheritance and they moved north and established a new city which was called the city of Nephi. What did all of these people have in common? They all became Nephites.
1: Those who were left behind were laman and lemuel this is interesting i'm noticing that in verse six it doesn't mention ishmael or any of his sons so i guess ishmael's sons all went with laman and lemuel and they became
0: lamanites what contrast do we have between the nephites and the lamanites well first of all the nephites were a religious people they continued to follow the law of moses they built a temple They would have been very hesitant to marry outside of the house of Israel their own people. The Lamanites, on the other hand, didn't care so much about religion and didn't worry about intermarrying with the Native Americans. This was much more common among the Lamanites than it was among the Nephites. And as they married the Native Americans, they would have taken on physical characteristics and cultural
1: habits of these people it could be that the Lamanites said, we need to make peace with these people or else we're going to be destroyed by them. Nephi's younger brother Jacob
0: tried to define the difference between Nephites and Lamanites. He wrote, and this is in Jacob one fourteen, I shall call them Lamanites that seek to destroy the people of Nephi. And those who are friendly to Nephi, I shall call Nephites. So he distinguished anyone who hated the Nephites was called a Lamanite. Lamanite. And anyone who was even friendly with the people of Nephi was called a Nephite. The names Nephites and Lamanites then were not so much references to bloodlines as references to alliances.
1: And a lot of time passes and they began to multiply and cover all the land. And I think they stopped worrying about who every person was a descendant of. And if they were friendly to the Nephites, they were Nephites. That's right.
0: And this is really an interesting point because the Nephites incorporated anyone who followed Nephi. But at one point, King Mosiah took his people, the Nephites, and they discovered an entirely different population of Israelites. These were the people of Mulek. Yeah. Yeah. And the people of Mulek were more numerous than were the Nephites.
1: Now there were not so many of the children of Nephi as there were of the people of Zarahemla, who were a descendant of Mulek. And now all the people of Zarahemla were numbered with the Nephites, and this because the kingdom had been conferred upon none but those who were descendants of Nephi. So even though they
0: had combined these two people, the people of Zarahemla agreed to follow King Mosiah, and they became Nephites. There's one other example. And this is found in Alma 53.16. This is talking about the stripling warriors who followed Helaman. And I'll read that one. They did assemble themselves together at this time, as many as were capable to take up arms, and they called themselves Nephites. Nephites. So here were these Lamanites, who were obviously Lamanites, but when they sided with the Nephites, they became Nephites. Now, who were the Lamanites at this time? Anyone who sided with the Lamanites was called a Lamanite. Lamanites could come into these great battles, and thousands of them could die and come back later with more fighters. That's because they were being reinforced by the Native Americans. And as soon as they began fighting with the Lamanites... They were called Lamanites. This explains why modern-day researchers have such a tough time identifying Israelite DNA in the native people of North and South America. First, where are the Nephites? They're gone. They're gone. And the Lamanites, from early on, diluted their DNA by intermixing with the local indigenous people. Many ancient Native Americans became Lamanites not by descendancy, but simply by aligning themselves with Lamanite society. Jacob, Nephi's younger brother, listed for future readers some of the different tribes that composed the Lamanite and the Nephite nations. He wrote, Now the people were called Nephites, Jacobites, Josephites, Zoramites, Lamanites, Lamulites, and Ishmaelites.
1: Why are there no Samites? There's no Samites mentioned. Mm -hmm. That's kind of sad because I think Sam... Was faithful. He was a good guy. He should be mentioned there. <laughs> Do you
0: think Jacob made a mistake in his engraving? Did he forget all about Sam? It's interesting because centuries later, the prophet Mormon also spoke about the Nephites of his day, who consisted of, and we'll read this in Mormon chapter 1, verse 8. You want to find that?
1: There began to be a war between the Nephites, who consisted of the Nephites and the Jacobites and the Josephites and the Zoramites. And this war was between the Nephites and the Lamanites, and the Lemuelites, and the Ishmaelites.
0: Okay, so what do you notice there? Sam is missing.
1: So what happened to Sam? Yeah, because all the other people are mentioned. There's all of the the people who went with Laman, Laman, Lemuel, and Ishmael, and his Descendants. descendants. And then on Nephi's side, it's all the people who went with Nephi, Jacob and Joseph, his younger brothers, and Zoram, and then the daughters of Nephi wouldn't have had their descendants named, I guess. They kind of joined with the Nephites and Josephites and Jacobites, I guess.
0: We know from Nephi's writing that Sam had a wife and children. It talks about his family in 2 Nephi chapter 5, verse 6. Why is Sam not listed with all the other ites? Why are there no Samites? If we read between the lines, it's likely that Sam and his Ishmaelite wife only had daughters daughters.
1: Yeah, that's a good conclusion.
0: In that case, there would have been no sons born in their family to carry on the family line. Yeah. And during Nephite times, girls never became tribes. They got married, then became part of their husbands' yeah. tribes.
1: All of Nephi's sisters, they didn't have a tribe,
0: apparently. They didn't have a tribe. Nope, they became part of the Nephite nation. Father Lehi, matter-of-factly, made reference to this tradition when he gave his final blessing to his righteous son, Sam. In his blessing, and this is found in 2 Nephi 4.11, Lehi promised Sam, Thou shalt inherit the land like unto thy brother Nephi, and thy seed shall be numbered with his seed. In other words, all of Sam's daughters would grow up, would marry, and would remain Nephites. And some say, well, maybe Sam loved his brother Nephi so much that he just gave his children to Nephi. Yeah. But I think about that. You know, I love my brother-in-law, Robert Sorensen. But do I want my kids to become Sorensons when they grow up? Yeah. I want them to be Harrises. I want them to be part of me. I want that legacy to be carried on. And I think Sam would have felt the same. I think he wanted his children to become Samites, but he only had daughters. So there were no sons to carry on the family name. Yeah. With that understanding, there are no Samites mentioned in the Book of Mormon.
1: Nephi was the king at that point. And I still think Nephi was probably a spiritual leader, but he'd also set apart his two brothers, Jacob and Joseph, to be teachers for the people. And so Jacob was this really wise spiritual leader. And I think Nephi really liked the words of Jacob, and he wanted to preserve those words. Some of
0: the words that we have from Jacob are found in chapters 6 through 10 of 2 Nephi. In this powerful speech, Jacob encouraged the people to remain faithful. He also quoted in some depth from the
1: prophet Isaiah. It's hard to think of someone who would be similar to Isaiah to us today. But Isaiah would have been a prophet that they were familiar with that lived not too far ahead of them.
0: There may have even been people living at that time who could remember Isaiah. It was that recent. And so (laughs) Isaiah, to them,
1: was a modern prophet. Yeah. And he said things that we still, to this day, read and say, wow, how did he do that? He was such a great prophet. He knew all these amazing things that were going to happen in the future. Well, that's how they saw him too. And Isaiah specifically spoke to the house of Israel. Yeah. And Jacob takes these words and, and they're amazing, but he also loved the words of his father. In chapter 2, he got this beautiful blessing, this doctrinal discourse from his father about all kinds of things. We went over that last week, but now Jacob's sharing some of those same insights that his father had given him. And in this section here, though, he gives us not only some of the words of Isaiah, but also the words of his father, and also his own insights, kind of combining all these ideas. For example, he said, And the fall came by reason of
0: transgression, and because man became fallen... They were cut off from the presence of the Lord. That almost sounds exactly like the words of Lehi as
1: he gave his son a blessing. Yeah, that same verse also related to what Isaiah had said, where he said that the earth shall wax old like a garment, and they that dwell in shall die in like manner. So he's saying there's going to be death, talking about the fall. Death is going to happen. But he says, but my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall not be abolished. He interpreted that as the atonement needs to be infinite and eternal, and it would be. Listen to Jacob's interpretation
0: of Isaiah. Wherefore, it must needs be an infinite atonement. Save it should be an infinite atonement, this corruption could not put on incorruption. And if so, this flesh must have laid down to rot and to crumble to its mother earth to rise no more.
1: He's taking all these ideas from his father and from Isaiah and
0: combining them. That's right. In chapter 10, he says, Remember that ye are free to act for yourselves, to choose the way of everlasting life, yeah. or the way of eternal life. <laughs> yeah, doesn't that sound almost like a direct quote? <laughs> this patriarchal blessing that he received from his father, he had to read it and reread it, and it made such an impact on his life, and now he's teaching the things that he learned from his father. His father is now dead and gone But he remembers the teachings of his father and the
1: teachings of Isaiah, and he combines those. And it's a really powerful doctrine, this idea that you're free to choose. And there's basically two choices. You can either choose to follow God and have life, or you choose to follow Satan and have death. And we all need to make that choice, and it's a very important thing for us to remember. Are we choosing God? Are we choosing to have that eternal life, or are we going to be choosing death? And I love the phrase that he says in the end. He says, Reconcile yourselves to the will of God, and not to the will of the devil and the flesh.
0: Isaiah talked about Israel in the last days. And they then would say, Why have we been rejected? Why has God forgotten us? Isaiah says, Have I cast thee off forever? Then he asks, Where is the bill of your mother's divorcement? To whom have I put thee away? Or to which of my creditors have I sold you? He's saying, can you prove that I have forgotten you and that I cast you off? Mm -hmm. And then he answers, behold, for your iniquities have ye sold yourselves. It's not me. It's your iniquities have done this. And for your transgression is your mother put away. So the mother, in other words, the church was not taken away by God because he chose to do that. Their iniquities and their transgressions cause them to be cast off. It's
1: not me who left you, it's, it's you who have left me.
0: Then Jacob says, as he explains, I have read these things that ye might know concerning the covenants of the Lord that he has covenanted with all the house of Israel. They shall be restored to the true church and fold of God when they shall be gathered home to the lands of their inheritance and shall be established in all their lands of promise. The house of Israel will be restored, both the restoration of the Nephites and Lamanites and the restoration of the Jews to their land of promise. Yeah. And then he promises, in the body he shall show himself unto those at the house of Israel. In chapter 10, verse 17, he says, I will fulfill my promises which I have
1: made unto the children of men. Chapter 10, he says, Oh, how great the goodness of our God who prepared the way for our escape from the grasp of this awful monster, yea, that awful monster, death and hell, which I call the death of the body and also the death of the spirit. Again, he's referring back to his father's blessing and also to Isaiah who talked about the prisoner escaping from the pit.
0: And then Jacob also says, And behold, according to the words of the prophet, the Messiah will set himself again the second time to recover them. Wherefore, he will manifest himself unto them in power and great glory unto the destruction of their enemies when that day cometh when they shall believe in him. So Christ will come a second time. This time the Jews will accept him as their redeemer and he will destroy the enemies of the Jews and all those who would fight against him. And they that believe not in him shall be destroyed both by fire and by tempest and by earthquakes and by bloodsheds and by pestilence, and by famine. Mm -hmm. And they shall know that the Lord is God, the Holy One of Israel. We really appreciate your spending time with us. And speaking of time, Nephi spent a lot of his free time carving his message onto the metal plates. This was a tedious work. Why would Nephi spend so much of his efforts copying the lengthy words of Isaiah onto his small plates? He must have had a reason. We'll explore Nephi's motivation in our next podcast. Be sure and join us. And don't forget to enjoy your reading.